All right, let's uh, fire up our Friday afternoon. We do that with uh, the man you, you all know and love. You want to be like him, but you can't. The man, the myth, the legend that is Dennis Stewart. The what host. An intro. What an intro. <laughs> Health naturally and all that gear. G'day, mate. How you doing? I'm oh, very well, Mark. Very good now, to be with you again. I'm looking at your notes. You want to talk about politics and the elite? No, you don't want to do any of oh, that. Oh, happy to do that. <laughs> I did a major at that at university, Matt. Is that right? Absolutely. No, that's true. Okay. I took the university prize two years running. Wow. In the, politics. And that was back when you were a, 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 young man. a green left-leaning hippie, oh, that's weren't probably you? Why, that's probably why I got it. <laughs> <laughs> you got the doctorate. Tick, you ticked the right box. Um, however, Dennis, today we'll be talking about a, a benefits of a couple of my favourite foods, sure. capsicum and pineapple. Sure, I can't sure. wait to get into that. Oh, interesting stuff. Also, when you come back there, you want to kick off the conversation by referencing a conversation your wife had, or as you would say, my lovely wife had, yes. uh, with another person on bitter melon. So looking forward to it. Oh, I'd love to do that again. All right, we'll get into that. Also, if you have a, a question for Dennis of a health nature, we'll leave the politics aside, health nature. Let's get right into the calls. G'day uh, to you, Terry, at Beresville. Terry, you have a prostate question for Dennis today, Terry. Yes, Mark, I do. G'day, Dennis, how are you? I'm very well, Terry. How can we help you? Uh, Dennis, it's, um, I've got a benign prostate um, problem that yes. basically stops me. Uh, uh, I don't urinate very yes. well. Yes, yes. And I was just wondering if you had a, a herbal um, medicine or something that I could take over a long period that might help shrink that a little bit or help me um, be able to urinate a bit easier. Okay. Look, there are a number of herbs that can help the prostate to a degree, but let me just say... There is a point at which enlargement of the prostate gland can be so significantly enlarged that yep. any intervention from complementary medicine is unlikely to have much of an effect. Having said that, however, in its early stages of enlargement, when there are basically early symptoms such as nocturnal frequency, a bit of hesitancy, a stream not being as good as it previously was, it is, yep. a, it, it is that stage that a number of herbs can, if you like, and in my experience this is true, uh, can slow down the rate of enlargement and improve the functioning of the prostate. Now, re yep. regardless of all the proprietary products that are in the marketplace, and I'm amazed at how many of these products are out there now all claiming to do wonderful things um, for prostate problems, but, but the universally recognized herb that has the most prospect of helping uh, benign prostatic hypertrophy which is the technical term for what you've got yep. is the uh, is the herb known as saw palmito s-a-w-p-a-l-m-e-t-t-o botanically known as serenoa it has a berry on it and that berry has been shown to have particular chemical constituents which do affect the prostate and enable it to become what uh, Rudolf Weiss, the great German doctor uh, that I quote frequently on, the pro on this program, uh, referred to as being, if you like, a promoter of causing uh, the prostate to be able to void more effectively. He referred to it as a natural catheter. Now, that might be a bit going a bit over the top, but what he was saying was that uh, the appropriate prescribing of saw palmito at an appropriate stage of the condition can be seen to improve the function of the gland. Whether it actually uh, encourages a reduction in size or not, uh, I consider that to be problematical. 
there is no doubt in my mind that vice is correct and experience has demonstrated that the prostate begins to function more effectively, that it does, if you like, uh, improve uh, the characteristics of the stream and it does lessen the, the major problem, uh, which is nocturnal frequency. So anything, anything you take, in my opinion, uh, should incorporate the herb saw palmito. The yep. only other one that um, comes near it and is increasingly being prescribed w with it is nettle root, botanically known as urtica. Those two herbs popularly find themselves in practitioner strength uh, uh, formulations for addressing the uh, prostate gland in its benign yep. um, hypertrophic condition. So I would suggest that you uh, look for an appropriate product. Um, be cautious when you're purchasing it to make sure that the, uh, the, um, the product comes with a reliable level of the herb. Don't just buy on the basis of price. Do your, do your research. Uh, you're welcome to contact me at any time to get my advice more technically on, yep. on the dose and things like that, and I can even supply you uh, with appropriate information to support what I've said. But I see, it, I see it as being the most useful device to use. But let me be quick to say to listeners, benign prostatic hypertrophy, or what we refer to as enlargement of the gland, is not prostate cancer. Prostate no, cancer not. is an entirely different thing, yep. and uh, it is managed, obviously, uh, in, a, in a medical environment. And the management of prostate cancer, in my opinion these days, yep. is very good within the mainstream. So I encourage people to be uh, governed uh, by the, uh, their medical practitioners, and if it is benign prostatic hypertrophy or early enlargement, talk to your GP about it and yep. let him monitor the condition you will know. Uh, yes. reasonably quickly if it's going to do you any good. Those two herbs, regardless of what else is on labelling, those two herbs, in my opi opinion, and having read and studied and lectured on this topic, those two herbs are the best to consider. Best of luck, Terry. And Dennis, great to sort of separate the wheat from the chaff there versus enlarged and prostate. Yeah, Of course. All right. Uh, g'day, Stephen at Brankston. Uh, Stephen, you're, uh, you've got a, uh, a question from, for Dennis in regards to uh, your wife being uh, prescribed warfarin. Yes, g'day there, Stephen. We got you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, How are you going? Good. Uh, you got us on. We're going to come back to you, Stephen, because you got us on uh, a um, on, on speakerphone there. So we'll come back to you in a little while. G'day, Karen at Angler's Reach. You've got an eczema question for in and about your hubby today, Karen. I do. I do. Um, he has eczema on his face. Yes. And have been using the your GA cream, which yes. is fantastic. Yes. Um, and it's taken a lot of the redness yes. out when he uses it. it it allows the skin to sort of fall off, but it's Good. still there. Is there anything else that he can do okay. to alleviate it? How long has your husband had the condition for, Karen? Years. So it's long-term and it's, restrict yes. it's restricted to his face? Yes. Okay. Um, are you sure that this is a condition known as eczema and not a condition known as rosacea? Uh, the doctor said it was eczema. Okay, the only reason I'm saying that is that whilst uh, eczema can affect the face, very common condition uh, that is characterised by redness in particular, um, inflammation in other words, 
is a condition known as rosacea. And, and uh, whilst my GA cream is excellent for rosacea and eczema, um, it would be useful to clarify with your GP that it is a condition known as eczema that your husband has and not this other condition which could be treated separately. Continue with the GA, using it frequently, uh, but I'll recommend a couple of things that, that might be of use to you. Principle number one, I'm a great fan of high doses of the capsules of oil of evening primrose. And okay. you need to be taking higher doses to get any effect. I get distressed when people say, oh, yes, I'm taking fish oils or I'm taking primrose oil. And I ask them how much they're taking. And they might be taking one capsule a day or one capsule every now and then. If you're going to get the benefit of the essential fatty acids in uh, oil of evening primrose, you have to work within the dose and a minimum dose for an adult, a minimum dose would be 3,000 milligrams of the uh, oil of evening primrose daily. Capsules usually come in, in an encapsuled, uh, a capsule containing about 1,000 milligrams. Yep. It is a very safe remedy. It is a slow achiever. Um, some people even use it topically, but it's meant to be taken orally to address what is thought to be behind eczema, that is uh, a need for a particular bracket of what are known as essential fatty acids. Very quickly, I will also say that the herb that I have found most useful, most useful, uh, is a herb that I don't speak frequently about, although I have mentioned it, and that is the, the European herb known as heart's ease. Heart's ease, or botanically known as viola tricolor. Now, if you are able to Google the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia of 1983, you'll see the monograph for Viola Tricolor and you'll see how confidently it is presented as a useful remedy to address some levels of eczema. I would go down that pathway to start with, as I say, maintain the input of my GA cream. It rarely yeah. misses in helping the condition, uh, supported by oil of evening primrose in high doses and uh, seek the uh, use of a fluid extract of viola tricolour. If you have difficulty getting it, contact my practice in New Lamp. All right, thanks so much, Karen. And Dennis, that one sounds like it's the tortoise, not the hare. Okay. Yeah, you said a slow achiever. Yes. Yeah. Oh, look, that's, that's, that's very true. Any chronic condition, in my experience, needs to be chronically treated. All right, all the best there for you, Karen. Dennis in a, a very nice uh, button-up shirt today. Couple of pockets looking. Uh, look, he is well, ready. I still haven't got my black t-shirt. Well, I'm disappointed <laughs> okay. to a new our black t-shirt, but I don't want to Bruce Springsteen. Then, that well, that's what wearing. I got on today. Well, uh, well, uh, who knows? We uh, might see if we can get you a, a station branded uh, and shirt. I'll wear it. I'll be here and I'll flaunt it. And... Uh, right. If you're if you're in the <laughs> office, get Dennis a shirt, please. Um, all right, let's jump back into a couple of calls. I know you want to get to uh, some other things yeah, as well, Dennis. Yeah, yeah. G'day, Roz at Shoal Bay. Um, you have a question for Dennis today as well. Yes, I do. I was wondering if Dennis could tell me. Um, what he knows about a product called Nature Bee Power Pollen. I don't know much about um, any brand of this uh, product. Oh, okay. I, so I don't. I don't prescribe it myself. I know right. it. I know it is available out there as an over-the-counter supplement. Mm. Um, all all pollen products need, in my opinion, need to be used cautiously oh, okay. because of the potential for an allergic reaction. Right. Um, 
bee pollen can cause this occasionally. Um, uh-huh. I, my understanding of it is that pollen is taken, um, how can you call it, uh, as something to improve one's general health, to uh-huh. to harness, if you like, the, the power of the hives. That, uh-huh. is, that is if there's any left in the Hunter Valley. Um, uh-huh. But outside of that, um, I'm not that familiar with it. I don't prescribe it. I have reservations about pollen products. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I can't help you too much on it. Now, this is not to say, by the way, mm-hmm. that it may not be the best product in the world. It, yeah. it, is, it, is, it would not be out there if it was not approved yeah. by the government and considered yeah. to be safe. But well, I, I, I don't use a lot of it, so um, I, I'm not able to, to say much about it. Mainly, um, it's it's another radio station that comes on at midnight that I hear it, and um, okay. my main concern is I've got a lot of um, uh, osteoarthritis yes. and all that goes, and was wondering if I took it, would it have any effect with my um, medication I take, blood pressure um, tablets? And... Well, that, that's a very good question. Uh, any um, uh, preparation, whether it be herbal or pharmaceutical, needs to be considered in the context of what other medications you may have been prescribed. Mm-hmm. What listeners need to know, despite what even some in our profession might say, that, uh, oh, no, our, our products can't interact with pharmaceuticals, mm-hmm. uh, the literature contradicts that. And my experience, yeah. and I've lectured on this topic, encourages me to say, uh, whatever you are taking, uh, as far as complementary medicine is concerned, run it past the, the manufacturer, or if they are not sure in their uh, certainty about the safety of a product, go mm-hmm. to your pharmacist and mm-hmm. uh, get an opinion from the pharmacist who is, okay. is trained. We underrate, let me just say, we underrate the expertise of our pharmacists, mm-hmm. and I am one of those who have right. had a, a fortunate career to have mm-hmm. been able to teach both uh, in Melbourne, in Sydney, in, in, in Auckland, uh, and in Brisbane uh, to teach to many pharmacists herbal medicine, many of whom carry the flag of herbal medicine very well. Talk mm-hmm. to someone about this and as a general comment to all listeners, if you are taking multiple over-the-counter preparations, please ensure that uh, none of these interact uh, with what your good doctor may have prescribed and I always encourage my patients to inform their medical practitioners, regardless of whether they're GPs or specialists, what they are taking. Frequently, uh, people are a little bit reluctant to do so, and at times this could uh, compromise what uh, their medication is trying to do. Go down that pathway. That's about the best that I can do for you on that, Ros. All right, best of luck with it, Ros. And I believe the term the government uses, Dennis, is safe and effective. That's their terminology. That's a good term. All right, Stephen is back. Uh, thanks for your patience, Stephen. And uh, this time around, you, you you actually want to talk about warfarin, and you was being described with that uh, has been prescribed with that. Also told not to eat any uh, green veggies. It's the vitamin K level. I've got some concerns of. Yeah, that's right. Okay, Stephen. How are you going, Dennis? I'm very well indeed. Your uh, wife has has had a stroke or a heart attack. No, no, she's got mitral stenosis. Okay. So okay. They're saying she's a walking, um, a walking stroke. Okay. And uh, so they've put her on warfarin. Yeah. Uh, that's firstly. Uh, is there any complementary medicine she can uh, that would replace warfarin? No. Can thin the blood as well. So no. she's got to stay on no. that. Yep. No. This has been prescribed 
because yep. of the seriousness of your wife's condition. Yes. And um, uh, it, it is an effective drug because, to use simple language, it, it tends to lessen the clotting capacity of the blood. In other right. words, it works against uh, a clot situation emerging and any interference with it um, by attempting to emulate its benefits with other things could compromise your dear wife. So if she has been prescribed this, she must stay with it. And the reason that uh, she has been told to, to not eat a lot of green vegetables because of the vitamin K content is because vegetables such as cabbage and cauliflower and Brussels sprouts with, with, with a lot of what's called vitamin K in them, vitamin K can uh, work against the clotting capacity of warfarin, and I'm keeping it simple. In other words, right. it can be an antagonist to what warfarin is trying to do. It can be encouraging the very opposite. It can work against uh, the, uh, the the benefit that warfarin may be having. So it's a general uh, principle. Warfarin still allows clotting? Sorry, Dennis. Does warfarin still allow clotting? Warf warfarin is aimed, uh, as far as I understand, and I think I'm pretty right, warfarin is aimed to lessen the potential of a clot occurring and right. bring, and bringing about a serious cardiovascular yep. in, to to put it in simple terms we might say it's an anticoagulant although the the specialists the cardiac specialists might have more sophisticated terminology i'm using fairly lay language it tends to lessen the clotting capacity of the blood and yep. therefore Whereas vitamin k encourages clotting is that it, it does, in. it does, right. and therefore it would work against what your good doctor is yep. trying to do. No, okay. no, that's standard uh, treatment and uh, and the and necessary treatment. I'm really keen to get to pineapple and capsicum uh -huh. shortly. We're, we're going to have a look at bitter melon. Now, there was yeah. a conversation that your wife yes. was having and she sort yes. of was eager to tell you about. So yeah. how did that go? Oh, well, first of all, my dear wife uh, is the... Uh, She's right at the forefront of our business and has been for over 40 years and talks to a lot of my patients and uh, so she's So if you want to ask a question... You ask Ruth. Good you ask Ruth. Don't worry about Dennis. Just ask my dear wife. Good cop, bad cop. We don't we, we don't where this sits. Yeah. Well, what happened was my, my dear wife took a call from one of my patients. The patient was ringing up to say, uh, look, I want, to, uh, uh, get, I want to stock up on some bitter melon powder that uh, I get from Dennis who, who developed the product because it has made such a dramatic effect on my blood sugar levels that my GP is puzzled as to how well the blood sugar levels uh, are doing. The only thing that could be doing it is a regime that Dennis put me on that was based on one of his most favourite remedies, that is the bitter melon. And uh, my wife told me about the conversation. I said, well, look, this is important because I have evangelised, if you want to use that term, I have evangelised the benefit of bitter melon, one of the most traditional foods used in, in, in South Asia, India in particular. Uh, I have evangelised its proven benefits as a remedy to be useful in the early stages of type 2 diabetes. Now, we're talking about type 2 diabetes. Interestingly, um, on this, Mark, mm. uh, in the literature, uh, and I was looking at one of my references this morning, so confident is this herb or this food, let's call it a food, I'll talk about it in a moment, uh, this food is referred to 
in, in India, particularly in the Ayurvedic system of medicine, as being, if you like, known as plant insulin. Now, it's not insulin, but it's been given that, how can I call it, that, that name because its effect is one of having a, 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 an ability to bring blood sugar levels quietly down and more in keeping with what they should be. When used, let me emphasize, when used regularly as part of one's regime, as part of one's dietary program, bitter melon either eaten as a vegetable purchased from some of our better food stores, certainly from Asian food stores, or in a powdered preparation, which I developed because knowing Australians, uh, we're a little bit reluctant to uh, work around foods that we're not used to. And bitter melon is a particularly <laughs> interesting food, to say the least. Well, let's be honest, Dennis. <laughs> I mean, it hasn't been, I mean, for something you want people to eat, yeah. bitter melon, you yes. haven't really, it, yeah, it's not really a sexy name. No, let's be honest but look, here. I had, a, I had an Indian patient in yesterday. I love the Indian people. They've been very good to me in my teaching career, very hospitable. And I've lectured on Ayurvedic medicine. And she was telling me some of the ways that she uh, prepares bitter melon, an edible way and a pleasant way to harness the food uh, simply purchased from a good food store. By the way, for those that have not seen bitter melon, just go to an Asian food store Ask for, for where you can see the vegetable and you'll see it's just like a, a big cucumber with very large ridges along the outside of it. It's a rigid or a ridged green cucumber-like uh, vegetable which is prepared and eaten in various forms in Asia where it is a staple part of the diet. I developed the powdered form of it because five grams of the powdered preparation is a very good way of getting patients and clients to take that preparation on a daily basis rather than eat or cook the vegetable uh, as frequently as might be required to be, to be able to get this effect. So I thought it was worthwhile mentioning and encouraging people to say in the early stages of type 2, when their doctor is saying to them, listen, you've got to do something, your readings are creeping up, if you don't do something, we're going to have to put you on to metformin or some other medication. Bitter melon, the powdered form, if you don't can't access the vegetable from the food store, I always emphasise, where possible, get it and use it as a vegetable. But if you, if you can't get it, the powdered preparation, in my opinion, is a better way of using it. Now, some uh, I will ask the question, well, can it be got in a capsule? Let me just say, look, there are preparations out there in an encapsulated form, but what they are are extracts of bitter melon. You can't put a vegetable, you can't put a cabbage, if you like, into a capsule. What the preparations out there, and I'm not putting them down, this is a genuine attempt to overcome the problem of taste by putting it into a capsule form, but the capsule is likely to be based on what is called an extract quite different or well, different to what the crude vegetable even in a powdered form is. So whilst I have no objection to people trying the bitter melon capsule, my reading and experience and knowledge of it encouraged me to develop the powder and I have a paper written on it if people want to procure it free of charge from a rooms which will support the argument that where possible use it as a vegetable if you can't use it as a vegetable or if you don't like it that way, consider using it as a powdered preparation, five grams daily, 
and have the third option if you can't handle the powder in my opinion, try the capsule. I love how the uh, the conversation about the conversation probably went three times as long as the conversation. <laughs> All right, a little bit more of Health Naturally with Dennis Dewey. He's got a couple of minutes left. G'day, Glenn at Fingal Bay. You're just following up with Dennis now, Glenn, on a bit of melon powder. Yes, mate. Yeah, I, um, Dennis, how are you? I'm very well, Glenn. Uh, thanks, mate. Um, I was diagnosed as an insulin-dependent uh, diabetic probably about 18 months ago. Yes. And I just caught, I just caught the, you're talking about the bitter melon yes. powder. Yes, um, I'm on a, a, an insulin um, once once daily, just of a night time. Yes. Um, it's called Fusio. Yes. Um, it's done okay to bring my um, blood sugar levels down. Good. Um, and I'm also on a Zempic, which assists yes. the pancreas the, in, in working with the the insulin. Yes. Um, however, that's not always available. Yes. But I'm wondering, would the bitter melon powder, is it too late for me to try bitter melon powder? Now, remember, bitter melon is a food. So yes. it, it's, it's not a drug. It is a food that has the capacity, however, to be able to uh, stabilise or work against uh, acceleration of one's blood sugar levels. Now, okay. it has been used primarily by early stage type 2 uh, sufferers, but it has also been used by people who are using insulin as a potential way of lessening the uh, movement into higher doses of that type of medication. Uh, so what I would be suggesting is that you ring my rooms and get the paper that I've written on bitter melon. You discuss it with your medical managers as a food... I would be surprised if there was an objection to using my bitter melon powder. But in as much that you are on prescription medication, you know my view, you should always discuss the option with those who are managing you. I would be surprised if there were a problem. And by the way, I would be surprised if there wasn't a benefit. Awesome. That's brilliant. Right, so if you just ring my rooms, we'll get up a couple of copies of free of charge, of course, of the paper that I wrote for the public on bitter melon, um, which every doctor uh, should read and understand. Um, and you can read it yourself. And I'd be surprised, as I've said, if there were too many objections. All right, best of luck with all of that. And uh, thank you so much uh, for that. Uh, also, well, everyone else that made a bit of a call today. Dennis, we've we've run out of time, so mm. we'll just have to hold over your lunchtime discussion on pineapple and capsicum for next yeah. week, all right? Love to do it. All Love right. So, it. So, see, priorities. Here's a man who knows his priorities. The wife's conversation. We made sure we got that Absolutely. in as soon as we could. <laughs> remarkable woman, my dear wife. A remarkable woman. All right. Thanks, Dennis. Look forward to catching you next week. You have a great weekend, all Thank right? Thank you, mate. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.